Might we turn to Acts chapter 8? There was a brother named Joseph Shriven. He had a lot of tragedy in his life. When he was young, he fell in love with a girl in England. And um, the night before uh, they were to be married, she drowned in the Thames River. Uh, He immigrated to Canada and settled in Ontario. And he fell in love with another young lady. Uh, Before they could get married, she uh, grew terminally sick. And so he apparently sat by her bedside for five years until she passed into eternity. Uh, Later in his life, around 1880, his uh, mother, who was back in Ireland, uh, was very discouraged and depressed. And so he wrote her a little poem to encourage her. The poem was, uh, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to uh, God in prayer. Uh, Mr. Shriven never wrote that as a hymn. He wrote it as a poem. They say when they were uh, cleaning his room out after he'd gone home to glory to his reward, uh, a brother found it and put it to music. Uh, It's true that All of the great hymns, many of them are born out of anguish and trial. And so the Lord draws near uh, to people as they suffer, and he is their friend. Um, I would like to consider this uh, passage before us this morning, Acts chapter 8. Um, Beginning at verse... Uh, 26, and we just want to think about the economy, economics. You might wonder why a brother uh, drives down from Canada to uh, teach you folks about economics. I'm not here to tell you how to do things. I don't know if the economy is any any better in Canada than it is here. Um, Real estate prices uh, are low in, in, in Canada, and we're going through somewhat of a recession ourselves. And and so I know on the internet, you can read it, they say that it's better to invest in silver right now than gold because gold is, is all stable, it's high. Silver, they feel, is going to go up. And so if you want to invest in, in silver, they say that it's going to rise. So that's where you should put your money. You say you come all the way to tell us that? Say when the Bible talks about gold and silver, precious stones... Gold is referring to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible would exhort you as a Christian to emphasize in your life. Come to understand something of the glory of the Lord Jesus and his deity from his word. The Bible speaks about silver. It's linked with redemption. The value of the human soul. And that's what we're going to suggest to you today as we read Acts chapter 8. What we're going to learn here is what is valuable in heaven. It's not physical gold. You know the story of the man who showed up apparently at heaven's gate with a wheelbarrow full of gold. And somebody said to him, why are you bringing sidewalk into heaven? It's not 
physical gold. And so that's what we're going to think about. What's valuable in heaven? We begin reading in verse 26. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Let's ask the Lord for his help. Our Father, we're so thankful for your word before us. Father, we're thankful for the freedom of this country that would allow us to come together and to look into your word. Father, that would allow us to pray publicly, to ask for help. Father, our desire is that we would not take these things for granted, but that in a very real way this morning, you would speak to us. You would help us. That, Father, you would show to us the Lord Jesus Christ. And then according to to your word, those who behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord Jesus are changed into his image from glory to glory. That's our desire. That's what we ask for in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we want to think about what's valuable in heaven. And certainly we're going to see in this passage that all of heaven bends its energies to one man, a black man out on the Gaza Strip, out in the middle of the desert. The story starts with an angel. I don't know what you think about angels. I know you believe in them. 
We all believe in them. The Bible talks about them. I don't know if you've had any experiences with angels. Um, maybe you always think about that meeting a, an angel unawares. Well, I'll confess to you, when you meet me, you won't think that. I'm not an angel unawares. Uh, you read missionary stories for sure, and, and um, they talk about that. They have interesting stories, testimonies. I have a friend lives in our part of the world, actually. Uh, goes to the same assembly as Tim Hood does. His name's Kiwi. Uh, this is his real name. That's what they call him. He immigrated from New Zealand to Canada, and so we call him Kiwi, or they call him Kiwi. Do they do that down here? Do you have any Kiwis down here? Um, Kiwi's uh, testimony is rather remarkable. He came here as a young man and was a hard worker and, and um, got a good job and, and worked hard, wanted to be financially secure, wanted to be rich, uh, met a girl, Canadian girl, fell in love, her name was Ruth, and um, planning on getting married. Uh, there was a problem. One of the problems was that Ruth knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. Kiwi didn't. So the family was quite concerned what was going to happen. And so they had friends uh, that got involved in Kiwi's life to try to point him to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Kiwi tells the story that uh, Ruth's doctor called Kiwi and said, I want you to come in and see me in my office. And so uh, Kiwi went down to Ruth's doctor's office and her doctor sat him down and said, Kiwi, listen, there is a big part, in fact, the biggest part of Ruth's life. You won't be able to be connected with her. You're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the largest part of Ruth's life. And so uh, he tells this story of how, how people got involved in his life. He gets a job, or he's working, he gets another job building logging roads in uh, southern British Columbia. He isn't long before he's uh, leading the crew. And uh, he tells a story about they're building a bridge uh, on the logging road. And, and uh, at the end of the day, uh, a snow slide had come down and blocked the road. And so uh, Kiwi saw this, and so he went up by himself. He got on the bulldozer. He wanted to keep the road open for the crew coming in the next day. And, and so he says he angled the blade, and as he pushed through this snowbank and pushed it off the edge, he, he figures the rumbling of the tracks uh, caused the snow to start coming down the side of the, the hill again. And, and, and Kiwi says that the last thing, well, as he realizes what is happening, he goes to get up, and he said the snow had already gone over his lap. The, the, the bulldozer was stopped, and he's, the last thing he remembers is this, this butt of a tree coming through the side of the cab. Uh, he doesn't remember what happened after that, but what did happen is he was able to get out of that bulldozer, he was able to get into his pickup, turn it around on that logging road, drive eight miles down to the bottom of the, of the mountain and fall through the door of a man who lived at a house at the bottom. He was able to get Kiwi to the hospital and um, he lived. Uh, the next day he says that um, his crew came in to see him and they said, Kiwi, we dug the bulldozer out and we found your work boots still on the pedals, laced up. Kiwi doesn't know what to think. They think it's a miracle. Uh, he goes home three days later. He's in bed with Ruth, and Ruth says, Kiwi, if you'd have died that day, where would you be now? 
And he said to me, Rob, the eyes of my understanding, the eyes of my heart were opened at that exact moment. And I did the only reasonable thing. I got out of bed, I got down on my knees, and I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now, um, Kiwi believes that an angel helped him. I don't know what you think about that story, but I will tell you this. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that angels are serving or ministering spirits sent forth to minister. And Newbery helps us with this. The translation is to those who are about to obtain eternal life. That's what the Bible says. Uh, That's the story here. This man, this Ethiopian eunuch. Of course there would be an angel in the story. He's a man about to obtain eternal life. Uh, It's interesting to me if you compare Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, and Acts chapter 10, you're introduced to three men. Now, they're not just random cases. We know nothing is random in the Bible, right? It's all there with a purpose, even the single words. Paul believed in the commas and the apostrophes, the plural of a word. And so these three men, the first man is a descendant of Ham. The second, the Apostle Paul, or the man who became the Apostle Paul, is a descendant of Shem. Cornelius is a descendant of Japheth. Noah's three sons. Reflective, really, of all of humanity. Uh, Great men in their right. One a man who's rose to political power. That's the man we're going to be thinking about this morning. Paul was a religious leader. Cornelius, the army, government, however you would see that. And so, really, uh, the hardest three groups of people to reach with the gospel. But the Lord is able. And so, uh, whereas we said, introduced to this angel, uh, he speaks to Philip. Philip himself is a great man of scripture. He's the only man referred to as an evangelist. Right? It's true, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... Uh, Paul said to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He didn't call Timothy an evangelist. Uh, It's interesting, the word's only used a few times in Scripture. But Philip himself is called the evangelist. And so an angel appears to the man called Philip, who is an evangelist, in the night to invite him to come to the Gaza Strip. Now, Philip, we know, is doing a great work. Uh, He's involved in, in... Thousands of people coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ in Samaria. So in the middle of the night, he he calls, uh, the the, the angel comes and invites Philip to go and he immediately gets up and he leaves. And he makes this journey. Uh, That's what we have here. There's this story in uh, the part of the story in verse 27. There's this man from Ethiopia who's, um, who's come all the way to Jerusalem from Ethiopia. He's come, uh, they say, 1,200 miles one way for light to his soul. It's interesting. Um, Leviticus tells us that he couldn't even enter in. He actually had to stand on the outside looking in because he was a, a eunuch. 
But it teaches us that whether you're rich, maybe you're rich, maybe you're successful, those things don't fill the human heart. And so although he had uh, reached the position in his life where he could rise no farther, farther he, was, he was second to the queen. I mean, there isn't a promotion for this man. There's nothing left for him to do. And yet his heart is empty. And so one day he, he wakes up and he, he gathers together this large entourage of people and he travels 1,200 miles to Jerusalem to find the Lord. But the Lord's not there. Right? The Lord had been there maybe a year or so before. And as we were reminded this morning, His people took Him and they crucified Him outside city gates. Um, what the Ethiopian eunuch found in Jerusalem was just empty form. You know, the world still sees through empty form. The great need is for reality. We heard at the conference, I forget how it was put, I think, uh, heart reality. And that's what the eunuch is looking for. Uh, but thankfully, God is working in this story. Uh, God has His angel appearing to His evangelist. Uh, somewhere through all of this, uh, we read that, that the eunuch got a copy of the Word of God. And he's reading it. He's actually read what we would have seen as 53 chapters. Imagine God's timing. There's a man's traveled 1,200 miles one way, come to Jerusalem. We don't know how long he stayed there. Um, he turns around and he travels down to the Gaza Strip. In the middle of the night, an angel appears to Philip and invites him to travel down 60 miles from Samaria to the Gaza Strip, and so all of this is happening. I don't know how Philip got there. Maybe he had a horse. I mean, they say that's what his name is connected with. Maybe he, he ran. We, we, maybe he walked because he's running in the story. And so the timing is such that when Philip arrives, the eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. One commentator makes this statement. The place in the whole Old Testament where the water of life lies closest to the surface. When you think about the gospel and the crosswork of Jesus Christ, there isn't possibly a better chapter than Isaiah 53. That's where he's reading. And so now, of course, we're introduced to the Spirit of God in the story. It's not now an angel that speaks to Philip. It's the Spirit of God. And so we have an angel, we have Philip the Evangelist, we have the Word of God, and now we have the Spirit of God. We're going to see that all of heaven is bent on saving this one man. And so the Spirit of God speaks to Philip, and it says Philip runs. It's interesting to me, you know, that as we think about Philip as a person, here he is working, working, uh, in Samaria, seeing thousands of people come to Christ. You know, so it's not that he's beyond working in the life of one individual. Philip has the heart of God 
The heart of God is to the individual. You know, John's Gospel, as we were reminded this morning, is written to the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But that was the Lord Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. It's interesting that although John's Gospel emphasizes the world, and that word means all of humanity, John's Gospel is the Gospel of the names of people. Right? I mean, he tells us the names of of people because although God is interested in saving the whole world, He's doing it one individual at a time and all of those individuals have a name. We don't know the Ethiopian eunuch's name, but, but God did. And, and so that's what's happening. The Spirit moves Philip and it says he runs. He's passionate. But what God's passionate about is about people. And so he runs. And, and, um, and so you just, I don't know if you picture this. I don't know what it looks like. I know that the eunuch is sitting on his chariot and uh, he's got a large group of people. He doesn't travel by himself. Maybe hundreds, we're not sure. Likely. And out out from the desert comes running this man. Maybe he's all dusty and dirty. He's traveled 60 miles. And so he, he speaks to the eunuch. He says, do you understand what you're reading? What do you say? Well, we're as people not usually very good at receiving help, are we? That's true, right? Think. We learn from this eunuch that he is a humble man. He says, I want to, but in front of all of his servants, he says, I want to, but I can't. Except somebody explain it to me. What a privilege to be able to explain to people the gospel. So that's what Philip does. He he gets up and and the eunuch asks him this question, who 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 is he speaking about the prophet? Is he speaking about himself or is he speaking about someone else? I think, well this guy's this guy's just back at the basics, isn't he? I mean he doesn't even know as much as the scholars that are in this Sunday school in this church, right? And they all know who Isaiah fifty three is of the eunuch he doesn't. But you know what's remarkable? Is he was saved this day. So it's not about knowledge, is it? It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what happens. He he asks this question, who is he talking about? Verse 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. What a privilege to preach Jesus to people. What a privilege to maybe even go down tonight and preach Jesus on the beach uh, by yourself. Of course, or as we were reminded with the Lord. As he, our brother said that, I was reminded of David Livingston. At the end of David Livingston's life when he came back to Edinburgh to receive a, a, a doctorate uh, was bestowed upon him because of his work. He, uh, they say he made his way to the front. He was an old man and beat up his left arm was useless, hung by his side, had been chewed on by a lion. And he asked the people, what had, if 
they wondered what had kept him serving the Lord in Africa for all those years, serving a people. He said he didn't know how he would be received. It changed by the hour. Some days they loved him. Some days they wanted to kill him. He said this is what got him through. This verse from Matthew chapter 28. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, if a brother or sister would go down and have the opportunity to preach the gospel tonight, the Lord would be with them. It's a privilege to be able to open our mouths and preach Jesus. But we don't want to forget that it's all possible because in this passage it says, He, referring to the Lord Jesus, opened not His mouth. He was silent before His shears. We love this song. He could have called 10,000 angels. Right? We love that. Uh, We love that because we're, uh, I think, we love power in numbers. I mean, can you imagine 10 legions or, or, you know, one translation said 12 legions. uh, Is that 10,000 or 12,000 angels? And and one angel can slay 185,000 people in one night by himself. (laughs) I think, wow, what must that have been to be able to call that host of heaven to his defense. Make no mistake about it, he doesn't need any angels. The Bible says in a coming day that the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ will be destroyed, not with us, not with our help, but with the word of his mouth. The privilege we have to preach Jesus Christ was because... He opened not his mouth as he went to the cross. He could have stopped it. But he didn't. And so Philip appreciated that privilege. He never forgot what Isaiah 53 said. So he opens his mouth and he explains. Um, Then the eunuch, this is interesting, he says, what hinders me from being baptized? Well, The man called an evangelist, he's he's a bit shocked. Because he doesn't know, did something just happen? Well, something had happened in the eunuch's heart. Now, I love um, stories of revival and, and great awakenings in this concept of, you read of this man like D.L. Moody preaching and, and um, giving an altar call and the whole church rising, coming forward. Those are incredible stories. But we know as well as D.L. Moody knew that salvation is a transaction of the heart. And it's quite likely if it's about the timing of the thing, it happened as they thought to get out of their seat. It wasn't the coming forward. Now that's good. That's the public aspect of conversion. But it's even... Philip, he doesn't recognize it. The eunuch has now moved from uh, Christ and, and Isaiah 53. He's talking about baptism. Philip's like, whoa, let's slow this thing down. Nothing, nothing hinders you if you believe. He says, I believe with my whole heart. And he says, well, you may. We learn from that that um, Philip had a, a message that included the crosswork of the Lord Jesus Christ for sure but maybe a little larger message 
was reminded of this. Uh, uh, brother reminded me of the story of the uh, sixty-second salvation. You know, it's just to say a few things and you're in. I don't get the impression. That's what we have with with Philip. He explained to him the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Talked to him about the cost. Uh, and the eunuch understood something about cost. He'd already traveled 1,200 miles. He knew about cost. He knew about discipleship. And so that's what he wants. He wants to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Philip says to him, there, there's nothing to hinder you uh, if you believe. And so he does, and they go down into the waters, baptism. The eunuch goes down. He comes up. And the Bible says specifically that his newfound friend was caught away. So it says, raptured, caught away, Philip's gone. But the eunuch isn't sad. It says he went on his way rejoicing. Why? He got what he came for. That's what he wanted. Christ to fill his heart. And he got that. He went home. Uh, history says, church history says he went home and quit his job. What? Quit a job being underneath the queen of Ethiopia? The treasurer? You would quit that kind of a job? Well, sure. Lots of people do. When the opportunity comes to work with the king of kings, you quit a job working with the queen of Sheba or the queen of Ethiopia. And so that's what history says. He said he went into a church planting ministry. And uh, in fact, E.H. Broadbent in his uh, book on the Pilgrim Church said there were lots of churches in Ethiopia, New Testament churches, probably established by the eunuch himself. Uh, that's outside of, um, outside of Scripture for sure. But I wouldn't doubt it. Would you? Um, I think it would be fair to say, though, that after Philip left him, what do you think he would do as he made his way back to Ethiopia? Do you think he'd read the Bible? Do you think he'd continue to read the book of Isaiah? I mean, that's not a stretch, is it? I mean, uh, Why? Well, one reason would be now he had the Spirit of God living within him, so he understood the Scriptures. Right? You've heard stories like that, right? Of people uh, reading the Bible saying, I never understood one word, and then they talk about this conversion to Jesus Christ. The Spirit comes to live within, and, and they read it the next day, and they're like, I, I just don't know what's happened. I can understand lots of stuff. Not all of it, but lots of things. Well, I think he continued to read the Word of God. And I think that the Word of God spoke to him. You believe that? Uh, turn to Isaiah. Chapter 56. So here's this Ethiopian eunuch. He's traveled up. He's found the Lord Jesus Christ. He's now baptized. He's on his way home. And he's now read for maybe six or seven minutes. 
And he comes to Isaiah 56 and he reads this verse. Verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Is the eunuch like that? That's good, isn't it? I mean, this is the idea that he was separated as a foreigner, but, but now he's in the family of God. Uh, I say, well, maybe that verse didn't speak to him. What about this next line? Do you think this spoke to him? Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Although the eunuch could have no earthly family, he's joined to God's family. The promise of Scripture is that he could be involved in a great work. And we suggest that that's what he did do. Go home and get involved building the family of God. His own children in the faith. So we had at the beginning, we had, um, we had the angel. We had Philip the evangelist. We had the Word of God. We had the Spirit of God. We had the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? We were reminded of Christ and, and the price He paid for salvation. Where is God in it? Where is God in it? That's not what you're asking, is it? Listen, it was God's idea. It was the gospel of God, says Paul in Romans chapter 1. It was His idea that eunuchs from the middle of Ethiopia could come to Christ for salvation. It's God's idea that we're here today. Made possible through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Thankfully, even people are involved in it. I mean, Paul never got over this concept, did he? He said, imagine me, a fellow laborer together with Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Uh, Thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. God is with us. Um, I like the story of the eunuch. It's an incredible journey on foot or however he traveled. You say, well, we're not sure what well, we would agree with this. He didn't fly. He didn't go by rail. He didn't go by car, right? So we agree about that. Um, Tiernus Wilson has in his, um, in his uh, biography, he has a chapter entitled, Incredible journeys on foot. He tells two. I'll share one with you. He tells about uh, them going out uh, to share the gospel and they would go on these long treks. And they would get many miles away from home. He says uh, at one particular point they'd, they were about 120 miles from home and, and um, so what they would do is they'd find these villages, they'd move in, they set up camp. He, travel with quite an entourage of people himself and so they'd set up camp and they'd go down at night and have a gospel meeting around the fire in these these villages of Angola and so he tells the story of setting up camp and going down and and um, and standing in the in the in the firelight in the ring of all these all these um, leaders and, and people in this village sitting around as he would unfold John three verse sixteen for God so loved the world. 
And so he says, to the best of his ability, as clear as he could make it, he explains to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this particular story, he says that um, after he was done, the chieftain put up his hand and he said, when the sun goes down at night, does it go into a hole in the earth or a hole in the water? And so Tyrannus Wilson uh, takes a grapefruit and a plum and tries to give them this you know, this astronomy lesson uh, of how the, the earth uh, is rotating two ways and we're on this globe and it's revolving around the sun and that's how night and day works. And after he's done, the chieftain says, do white men believe that we're on a ball moving two ways at the same time? Terrence Wilson says, yeah, that's true. And he, he says, the chieftain laughs and says, white men are crazy. And so Tiernan Wilson is very, very discouraged. I mean, he's tried to explain the gospel and now it's ended in this, this debate about how the world revolves around the sun. And just as that happens, he sees this, this, this being out beyond the fire and it's, it's crouched and it's crawling. And so he grabs his rifle and he cocks it and these people start to laugh. And he thinks it's a leopard or a jaguar or something. And, and, and all of a sudden into the fire, into the ring of the light, uh, comes a man and he's crawling on his on his on his knuckles, and so he comes in and and plops himself down and and so Tiernus Wilson says to him, uh, what, "What's your name?" He says, "Swachika." It means son of abandonment. So he says, "Tell me your story." And so he says, "Young man, I married, had a family, and and one day I got deathly ill." And he said, "In fact, I would have died, but a young or a, a, a woman took care of me, a, a lady in the village." He said, they sold my wife and children into slavery. And, and uh, he said, I would have died except for her care. It didn't work. And of course, what happened is he must have got polio. And so that's what Tiernus Wilson would say is he was a fine specimen of humanity from his waist up, but his legs were just bones with skin hanging over them and they were all raw and calloused from being dragged behind him. And so uh, Tiernus Wilson explained to Swachika that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he took and he applied that message to Swachika. And he said, I never heard that before. And Tiernus Wilson says, with that, he was gone out into the night. He said, a year later, he was at home and um, he was standing out on the deck and off against the, the jungle, he saw baboons were raiding his garden and so he went into the house and he got his rifle and he came out and by the time he got out he could see it wasn't a baboon it turns out it's swastika making his way across his yard he comes and, and plops himself down in front of Tiernus Wilson and Tiernus Wilson says to him you're not swastika are you he said I'm glad you remember my name Tiernus Wilson said how'd you get here he said I come as you see me now Terrence Wilson said, how long did it take? He said, nine months. He said, nine months? Why? He said, when you um, explained to me that night that God loved me, he said, that was like an arrow to my heart. I never knew that. never knew anybody loved me. And so he said, from that day forward, I determined that I want to come here be with you and I'd like you to tell me that message every day. So of course Terrence Wilson would say that he did and and um, 
Although the message of John 3.16 was, a, was a, an arrow to Swachika's heart, the balm was the work of Jesus Christ and conversion. And so, of course, Swachika got converted. He got baptized. They were never able to find his wife, but they found his boys, his two sons. And, of course, then the um, war came in Angola and Tiernus Wilson and Swachika are now in heaven together. We don't know the rest of the story. Incredible journeys on foot. Now, uh, sadly, in this country, we don't have to make a sacrifice like that to be here. But let's never forget the sacrifice Jesus Christ made for us to experience God's free salvation. And let us pray that the Lord could bring people in our lives hungry, for the gospel, people who would ask, of whom does the prophet speak of himself or of another? Or maybe the next level, what must I do to be saved? Let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the message of the cross. But Father, above and beyond all of that, We're grateful for the one, your beloved one, your son in whom was all your delight, the one who freely gave himself upon the cross of Calvary. Father, we would not forget today what it cost you to give your son. We just thank you for so great a salvation. We ask that you would uh, equip us as, as able ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we're thankful for the resources you've given to us in your Holy Spirit, working even now in the lives of every man, woman, boy and girl, convicting of sin, of righteousness, of judgment to come. Father, we're grateful to be reminded of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is working 24-7. You are working 24-7. Father, you've given us your word And it's by your Spirit, through your Word, that people are born again. And so we thank you for that. Help us. Thank you for the assembly here. Remember uh, each one in in the trials and, and struggles and the tragedies associated with life. Help us today. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.